Welcome to episode 22 of Legends of the Batman, a podcast covering everything Batman from the beginning. My name is Michael Bradley. And I'm Michael Kaiser. Uh, we want to thank you all for joining us. This episode, we are continuing... Continuing... We're only 30 seconds into the show and I'm already... <laughs> my words. We are uh, continuing our look at the Batman material from October 1940 with the second story from Batman number three. But first, we have some feedback. Yay. Uh, our, we have an email from a reoccurring writer or feedback giver or whatever we want to call him, uh, Calvin Bowes. And it says, I was thinking recently that Batman should be a period piece set in the late 30s, early 40s. I was thinking this, believe it or not, when watching the Bogart film, The Maltese Falcon. I felt people like Bogart, Peter Lorre, and even people from other films like James Cagney and Edward G. Robinson would really be cool in a Batman film. I was recently watching the Tim Burton Batman and felt it had a sort of 50s film noir feel to it. Also, Batman's gadgets have more of a gee whiz feel at that point in time. Think about it. Batman is caught by James Cagney taking to the big boss and seated in a chair smoking a cigar with is Edward G. G. Robinson. I feel it would have been cool. So thanks for the email, Calvin. So he's uh, talking about the Tim Burton Batman movie. should have been set in the 30s. Is that what or, I understand? E, or just or a Batman, Batman movie. Just Batman in general, maybe. Yeah, that'd be cool. It would. I mean, it kind of always feels like Batman is a little out of sync with the rest of the DC reality. Um. So yeah, they could do that. We also got some feedback on our website from another regular writer, and uh, this is actually a series of comments, but I'm just going to read them all together because it makes it easier that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But these come from Glade Packer, and he writes, Hey guys, welcome back. Actually, I should point out that he wrote this in response to episode 19, which was the first episode back from our uh, hiatus. But he writes, Hey guys, welcome back. This is probably a reflection on my social life, but hearing your podcast was back up, and after and after listening to the first episode, felt like an old friend had come back into my life. Thanks, you guys, for the continuation of this wonderful show. Oh, and P.S. Glad to see the dream sequence was alive and well back in the 40s, too. Ugh, what a cop-out. <laughs> and then he sent another uh, response in, in reply to episode 20, and this was, Phew, what a close call. For I nearly forgot what I was going to write about. This Joker Rakaj story reminded me of The Dark Knight, but with the addition of, but with the addition of killing his men instead of merely playing them for saps. Just a thought, and t- until I get more, looking forward to the next episode. This is actually one of the few podcasts I listen to on the day it has been released. So again, thank you for returning to the wonderful world of Pod. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for that, Glade. So this episode, like I said, we are. Uh, Looking at Batman number three, we talked about the cover in the first story last episode, but before we move on to the second story, there's a bit of other material that Michael is going to tell us about. Right, so last week we covered the first story, which was the the uh, uh, something diabolical puppet master case, or let's see, it was... It was the strange case of the diabolical puppet master. Same difference. That's what I just said. After that, there is a one-page fantastic facts by our good friend George Papp. And I think I'll read some of them because it's good to learn new things, people. 
So the first one is called The Miracle, and it's an Allied plane operated by Lieutenant Makepeace was attacked by German aircraft on January 6, 1918. A sudden vertical dive through the plane's observer, Captain J.H. Headley, from his cockpit. He fell several hundred feet in a direct line with the plane, landed on its tail, and was saved. Lieutenant Makepeace? Yeah. I'm calling shenanigans. I don't yeah, think that's real. I'm never sure if any of these are real. Because <laughs> here's, here's, a, here's a relatively... There's two cool racist ones here. Uh, the first one is two Chinese guys that look horribly uh, you know, stereotyped for the 1940s. And it says, The Chinese etiquette calls for this answer to the above question. And one guy saying, What may your honorable age be? And the other guy says, I have wasted 45 springs. So I guess that's how you answer how old you are in China. I don't believe that one either. Yeah. Um, the grebe, which is some sort of duck, never sets foot on land but spends its life on water and in the air. It even builds a floating nest. Huh. And there's two more, but I'm going to skip it because these aren't that interesting. Um, after that, we have a page that's split horizontally. On the top half, we have an ad for Superman number 8, which goes on Yay. sale November 10th. 64 full color pages of the world's greatest, second greatest superhero. Uh, and then underneath is an ad for All-Star Quarterly number two, which features Green Lantern, Sandman, the Spectre, and the Flash. And it doesn't say when that hits the newsstands. It just says it does. So Then we have a... Now on sale. Oh, now on sale. So it's already on the newsstands. So yeah. make sure you go out and get that. Um... Then we have a two-page comic strip by Stan Ashmeyer, and I read it, and it wasn't especially funny about some <laughs> kid with balloons. Um, and then he goes to like see this dude who's giving a really long-winded speech, and then after the guy's speech is over, the kid asks him to like blow up his balloon again, but he doesn't have any air left because he just blah blah blahed for the last two pages. Huh. So that's the joke. Sounds like most politicians. Yeah. So anyway, after we get through all that. We finally get onto something cool again. Yay! And we'll let Mike take it away from here. Yes, our second Batman story in this issue is a 13-page story called "The Ugliest Man in the World." It was written by Bill Finger with pencils by Bob Kane, inks by Jerry Robinson and George Rousseau, letters by George Rousseau, and like the entire issue, was edited by Whitney Ellsworth. When crime bordered on the unexplainable, then it was that the mighty Batman. And young, laughing Robin, the boy wonder, came to grips with this strange new menace and brought swift disaster to that crafty brain that belonged to the ugliest man in the world. One night, the totally awesome Batman is out on patrol and comes across a man being beaten up by a gang of thugs. After the Batman chases off the gang and saves the man from a volley of machine gun fire from the fleeing thugs, the man introduces himself as Detective McGonagall. He explains that he saw the thugs trying to set fire to a museum and had tried to stop them. He then realizes he's talking to the legendary Batman and promptly tries to place him under arrest. The Batman doesn't like that idea, so he shoves McGonagall down and makes a run for it. Later, back at police headquarters, his fellow officers give McGonagall a hard time for letting the Batman escape, while McGonagall makes excuses and says one day he'll find out who the Batman really is. Meanwhile, Bruce Wayne goes to visit his old friend Harvey Dodge, you know, of the Brooklyn Dodges, <laughs> and is introduced to Larry Larimore, 
the three men have dinner and then are just casually chatting and smoking their pipes when Dodge's face begins to change. His features become thick and cumbersome, causing a once young, handsome, young-looking man to become aged and ugly. Unfortunately, Bruce and Larimore are unable to explain the change, and nor is a doctor, and Bruce fears that this is only the beginning of something far more sinister. Over the next days, Bruce's fears come to pass, as all across the city, men fall victim to what the newspapers dub the ghastly change. What's worse, the hordes of now-ugly men begin a wave of attacks across town, destroying anyone and anything they deem as beautiful. Bruce visits Commissioner Gordon and learns that the ugly men are the same ones who attacked McGonagall, and then visits Larimore, who tells him there has been no change in Dodge's condition. That night, the horde of ugly men gather, and the leader steps forward. He speaks of how the world worships beauty, and how they, the ugly, shall destroy everything beautiful and make the world bow before them. At that very moment, Bruce sees an article in the paper about how a great treasure is being brought to the U.S. that evening. Figuring it's a perfect target for the ugly horde, the Batman and Robin head out to arrive at the pier just in time to put a beat down on several of the horde's members. Unfortunately, despite their efforts, the horde is able to escape, and before our heroes can pursue, they are cornered by McGonagall, who tries to put them under arrest. After shoving the, the, the uh, poor detective into the water, the Batman and Robin try to give chase to the Horde, but the Horde is already long gone. Just then, they hear news over the radio that a Dr. Eckhart has formed an antidote for the ghastly change. Thinking whoever's behind the Horde will want Eckhart dead, the dynamic duo speeds off, hoping to get to Eckhart's before it's too late. When they arrive at the Doctor's home, the thugs are already there. But the Batman and Robin bust in and bust heads, causing them to flee. The Batman follows them to their hideout and plans on staking out the place, but is knocked out by a blow to the head. When the Batman comes to, he finds himself chained to a wall, along with a Mr. and Mrs. John Tyler. Suddenly, through the door, walks the leader of the Ugly Horde, Larry Larimore. Larimore removes his rubber mask to reveal his true face, the face of the ugliest man in the world. We then get a flashback to many years prior when Larimore was a college student named Carlson. As a, frat prank, as a frat prank, Tyler and some others injected Carlson with a concoction of chemicals, which caused his face to turn ugly and hideous. With no cure for the change, Carlson swore revenge and spent the next 15 years recreating the chemical mixture. He then created the ident identity of Larimore and set out to get payback on Tyler, his wife, and the others. Meanwhile, Robin, having made sure the Doctor is okay, follows the Batman's tire tracks, which he could do because the tires on Batman's car are coated with a special radioactive substance, and arrives at the hideout and is able to slingshot the needle from Carlson's hand just before he injects Tyler's wife with the serum. Robin then frees the Batman, who goes after Carlson and his men. But just as Carlson is about to stab the Batman, a shot rings out. Turning, they see McGonagall standing in the doorway, gun in hand. McGonagall tries to arrest the Batman again, but the Batman is able to evade the, de the detective, and he and Robin make their escape. The next day, Bruce and Dick talk about the sad events of Carlson's life. While at the police station, McGonagall gets more ribbing about letting the Batman get away, and he swears that he'll get the Batman someday. The end. Awesome story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know why I have to summarize 
Cossack puppeteers and, and, <laughs> and Robin dream sequences and you get like the Joker and this awesome story. But Yeah, I, I, I do seem to have gotten the pick of the litter since we came back. <laughs> oh, well. And, and actually looking ahead, I, I think of the next two stories, I think I get the better of those two. <laughs> um, well, at least we, we will see, I guess. Yeah. But as for this story, I, I know that I say this a lot, but we have another great splash page. Yeah, but this is a really great splash page. It involves, like, Batman, I assume from a rooftop, just leaping straight down on top of an ensuing fight. In fact, is this the first splash page that maybe actually has to do with the story as opposed to just summarizing the uh, story? You know what I mean? Like, most of the splash pages give you an intro of what the story is going to be about, kind of like a cover. Right. Whereas this one is actually the first panel of the story. Gosh, you may be right. For I would months. have to look back, but you may be right. Well, in the World's Fair issue, remember they were... Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, yeah, you're right. Those are – and on the, the one where – from Batman number two where they fought the the, the giants – or not the giants, but the, there was the the African pygmies with the giant. Mm-hmm. That one started flat. But, but you're right. It is kind of a rarity. Yeah. I feel like I've seen this pose before, but I'm pretty sure I haven't read this story before. So either it's been published in some – you know, reference book I've read, or else they're going to use this pose a lot in the future. Maybe it's going to be one of those repeated well, it'll poses. Be one of Payne's poses, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I guess we'll see. But it looks very familiar. But it is pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't think the caption, opening caption, was quite as on as the last. Oh yeah. I kind of liked it. Laughing Robin, young Laughing Robin, just seemed weird. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've said that before. Yeah, they, they probably don't. have. Yeah, did they call him the Boy Wonder? They didn't, did they? No, just Young Laughing Robin and uh, okay. the Mighty Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Young Laughing Robin, the Boy Wonder. Oh, and also the Mighty Batman. I don't know, just it sounds like a weird description for Batman. Yeah. Like the Mighty Young Batman. Um, and since I'm being negative, just to throw out there that also this is the second story we've covered where Batman is out on patrol and comes across a fight. But. Yeah, but I like seeing him out on patrol. Yeah. That's and for this, sure. time, this time it describes it as his nocturnal midnight prowl, mm-hmm. which indicates that he does it nightly or at least you know pretty regularly. Yeah. And uh, Robin's not with him, and I don't think we've seen Batman and Robin out on patrol. It, it seems Robin only gets involved when there's a case, which is fine because he's a kid. Yeah, but... he has homework and a bedtime, so. No, he doesn't have a bedtime. They established that back in the yeah, that's, well, the dream story. Yeah, That's true. Maybe he was supposed to be in bed. Who yeah, knows? Could be. Page two, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just starting to notice stuff that's already been there, but it seems like Kane is getting more into drawing scenery. Um, hmm. I really hadn't noticed. Like, you think there's more scenery? Of course, in the first panel, there's nothing. For, yeah, the first panel, there's nothing, but, but I, I noticed last, last story when he escaped the bank or the jewelry store. That, uh-huh. he was, that he was robbing. He's running down the street. You see this nice cityscape. And you kind of see that in a couple panels here, too. Buildings. Oh, and, I see what you're saying. And yeah. street. And I haven't really noticed Kane doing that before. Hmm. So. That's a great pose of Batman in panel, let's see, four. As he pulls the cape kind of in front of him. Uh huh. So McGonagall. Yeah. You don't like him, huh? Um. I actually had my notes for him on the next page. Oh, okay. But um, I'm not really sure how I feel about him. I mean, on one hand, he's 
he's a fun foil for Batman mm-hmm. and some comic relief, which is okay in limited doses. But on the other hand, I, I wonder if Batman really needs that. I mean, just looking at the stories we've covered to this point, Batman hasn't been overly serious to the point where he needed lightening up. He's quick with the quips and the one-liners, especially in the finger stories. Yeah. And Robin brings a lighter energy to the stories. Yeah. Um, I know McGonagall appears in at least one more story, mm. but I don't remember what happens in that story, or you know, if he's developed or if it's just more of the same, almost gotcha type of thing, or if he's even written out at the end of it. Uh, but, I don't think he's written out, and I'm pretty sure it's mo- mostly more of the same. Mm. Um, I liked him in this story. I mean, I don't know if I want to see him in every story doing this, but yeah, I, that would have got that would get real tiring real quickly. I do think it kind of sped up the action a little because not only do you have the major action, but in between each action you have McGonagall trying to arrest Batman. Right. So it was just constant action once this thing got rolling. And I like that he, and we can get into it more, but I, I, I do kind of like the comic really. I don't know. It was funny to watch Batman just beat on him for some reason. Um, <laughs> Cause it didn't seem like he was a threat at all. Of course he's not. So, and also Batman doesn't have a whole lot of reoccurring characters right now, so when I was initially reading this story, I thought, wow, we could get another one, and yeah. ultimately that doesn't happen, but it was kind of a cool idea. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you've got Batman and Robin, and really the only recurring character is Commissioner Gordon, who, yeah. and to the be Joker. honest, isn't there that much. And villains. Well, well, yeah, he's a villain, but yeah. And that just recently started happening, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Dick uh, Tracy. And Dick Tracy, yeah, yeah, yeah. As popular as Dick Tracy was in 1940, and as much as Kane is swiping or, or emulating the look of Chester Gold's art on that strip, you'd think they'd be a little bit leery of putting guys wielding Tommy guns in yellow trench coats and fedoras. Exactly. But, That's the first thing I do, and I, you know, this is 2012, so yeah, I can only imagine in 1940 they're like, "Why is Dick Tracy shooting Batman, Daddy?" <laughs> I do like this last panel here. It's just kind of a neat little uh, pickup shot of the car zooming away with the building in the moon. It's kind of a neat. Uh-huh. It's just a real small panel. It has no effect on the story, but it's just kind of a nice scene scene break or scene transition. Do you think that Batman knew McGonagall was a cop, or do you think he just always asked citizens to come rush after the bad guys with him? He introduced himself. Did he? No. Maybe. Oh, on page on page two. Yeah. He says, they're um, making a break for that car. Come on. You're right. Like, let's go after those guys with guns, citizen. <laughs> but uh, he you're right. He could have known he was a cop, though. I mean. Eh, he could have. I don't know. There's no indication of that in the story, though. No. I just thought it was a funny line. Like, yeah. come, on, come on, what? I'm not, I don't know how to <laughs> beat those guys up. <laughs> they just kicked my butt. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on to page three, Batman's symbol is missing in two panels on this page. Uh-huh. And you think between a penciler, two inkers, an editor, and who knows how many colorists, someone would remember to put a little black squiggle on there. It's also missing in the last in the last page we just talked about, too, where he's standing there um, looking kind of dramatic. Yeah, 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 on panel three, yeah. yeah you'd think they would just, uh, I don't know. And I, I've noticed that it, I, I want to say it's like 100% of the time, whenever Bam, Batman is standing in a profile position, mm-hmm. he has no symbol on his chest. 
And I don't know if that's because Kane, who we've already established is horrible with perspective, doesn't realize that you should still be able to see the symbol. <laughs> yeah. Or he just doesn't know how to draw it sideways or something. Or they forget. I don't know. But, yeah. Part of it, too, might be the timing issues, too. Yeah. Because they got better at it, but then they started with the Batman book, the quarterly title, and they seem to have gotten worse again. Mm-hmm. So. Um, have you experienced that with, like, Superman of this era? At the same, You know, I know that they never got his S the same twice, but. Um, at the beginning, it was kind of on again, off again. But then they got better. And really, at the point I'm at now in the books, the only difference is the cape. Okay. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Even in the same story or the same, you know, page. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so this probably isn't specific to Batman. I mean, I bet you if you read different Golden Age books, there's going to be a lot of inconsistency with. Oh, I'm sure. Chess yeah. logos. Whereas these days, we, you know, they're just so important. That's like the character identifier. Right. You would never accidentally leave. Superman or Batman's right. chess logo off, but back then it, I guess it just didn't matter. Um, so McGonagall wants to arrest Batman, right? Um, even though lately we've been getting a lot of stories where, you know, the cops love Batman. Like even this last story we covered, I can't believe Batman's robbing a bank. You know, he's no <laughs> he's no criminal. But, he's never been a problem with the law before. Yeah. Right, but McGonagall, as soon as he realizes it's Batman who saved his butt, he tries to arrest him. So either McGonagall is a cop who doesn't who hasn't jumped on board with everybody else's thoughts on Batman, or they're trying to maybe backpedal a little bit and make him still kind of a vigilante. Because it's kind of he's just trying to make a name for himself. You know, he he's heard the reports that Batman might be up to no good, and he mm-hmm. you know because he, he seems kind of blustery and like he's not really all there. Yeah, this this scene where he's talking with his fellow cops, you could tell he. You know, he's, uh, they're just totally ribbing him, so uh-huh. maybe he's not one of the boys, you know, or one of the he's guys. Their, maybe he's a retired detective, and they yeah. just kind of let him play along, because mm-hmm. he's harmless, basically. Yeah. But I was trying to think, and I couldn't figure it out exactly, but how many people have tried to figure out who the, or wanted to figure out, expressed desire to figure out who the Batman really is? Hmm. You know, considering he's a masked vigilante, that doesn't come up that often. Right. So, I don't think we've... I mean, has Commissioner Gordon we, ever said that? or? We had that story when the Amazing Spider-Man Classics guys were here, mm-hmm. where Batman got knocked out, and they were going to pull his mask off. Right. That's true. And I think that was Commissioner Gordon in, in that panel. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they've not really brought up a whole lot of stuff about who he really is that's not become part of the strip a significant part of the strip yet right so anyway i found that to be a cool uh character beat for mm-hmm. this guy that's never going to show up more than one more time but. <laughs> uh page four it, it it's really pretty clear that he was visually based off of oliver hardy yes he's got the little bitty mustache and the, he's mm-hmm. kind of overweight and the bowler hat it, and he, he's very apparently very sweaty or something because they're making these little like steam clouds coming out of his neck all the time. <laughs> I don't know what that translates to, but <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird. Yeah. And we have Bruce Wayne smoking a pipe on this page. So yeah. Continues. And having a personal life. 
Yeah. Which I found very exciting. Because his good friend Harvey Dodge. I mean, the last time he had a personal life was with that fiance that we haven't heard from since. Or in a long time. Yeah, I forgot all about Julie Madison. We haven't heard from her in a while, have we? No, and I'm pretty sure we will. Because I know... I don't want to say, because, you know, spoiler, 1940 spoilers, but I know something happens to her, so. we but. I don't think we've seen Julie Madison since Detective Comics number 40. No. Wow. Or he hasn't even, and he mentioned her in the Catwoman story, the first Catwoman. Wait, was it the first one? Yeah, the one with the boat, where okay. she tries to rob the boat. That was before Detective Comics number 40. Oh, was it? Yeah. What happened in Detective Comics number 40? Um, Clayface. Right. Okay. Yeah. Where we found out she was an actress, so maybe she's busy in Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. That's why they're gonna break up. They never hang out. But. <laughs> but yeah, I like seeing. First of all, I like seeing a more handsome looking Bruce. Come out. Cause yeah, he, he looks a lot better. This he looks more like uh, the yeah. original Bruce. In he this doesn't look crazy, issue. gross, Dick Tracy, square block <laughs> villain guy. Um. And I like that he has a friend. I mean, you assume he has friends in a social life, but. It was just neat to see him yeah. hanging out and chewing the fat. Um, I do think it's funny, and I there's nothing he can do to save his friend. I'm not saying he should have done more, but it's kind of a funny drawing to watch, you know, uh, Bruce and this guy Larry Moore just stand there and watch, <laughs> watch, watch their watch the guy turn to turn ugly. They're just like smoking a pipe, like yeah. wow, wow, your face got really ugly. All right, so page five, I don't get. You don't get it? No, I don't understand what's going At on. At all. Well, a little bit, but the bit where um, I understand, you know, he, he's, they're talking to the doctor and the doctor can't do anything for him. And then later, another victim. But here's where I don't get. There's an ugly mob breaking stuff. The cops in a green bug, for some reason, are coming at them. Right. And then a car shows up and, you know, quote unquote, spewing death. Are they killing the cops or are they killing the ugly mob? Because I don't think the cops got out of the car, but well, if you look at the they panel, look like cops, so yeah. it's probably cops. It's just kind um, of wonky. Because in the next panel is the cops in a car going, "Let's follow those guys," but maybe there was more than one set of cops or something. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I. Uh... It was unclear to me who exactly was killing who, but it makes more sense that the ugly guys are killing cops. Oh, okay. The the cops show up to the ugly horde mm-hmm. that is trashing the store mm-hmm. the next panel it says but as the police advance a car appears spewing death right so this red car is a second car mm-hmm. that drives by and apparently shoots the cops who have gotten out of the car but then and it says then, the ugly horde is picked up and the police pursue like they never got out of the car but maybe that's a different car you yeah i think I mean? that might be a different car yeah okay it makes sense it's just drawn weird i guess yeah it's not know. real clear unless you're paying attention. Yeah. Which I am not good at, so. <laughs> um, but I really like the montage panels, the panel three and panel one, two, three, four, five, seven uh-huh. on this page. Those are yeah. nice. Yeah. And uh, we have more New York references here. Oh, yeah? As they give the names of the papers. Yeah. In, oh, in yeah. panel three, the Daily World, it says New York City, New York. Oh, yeah. And the one right below that is... Dateline New York, and I can't really read. Yeah, the one in the panel seven, the authenticated news, is Dateline New York City. Wow. So very cool. Yep. But this this makes – we get a lot more newspapers here, which brings us to 12 different papers that have been 
wow. mentioned in Batman stories. And that only counts the ones where you could make out the name. Wow. I don't think New York has that many, but they could. I don't think so either. At least not major papers. Well, maybe they did in 1940. I don't know. Maybe. They probably just had one. <laughs> uh, Although with a name like the Trotter, I, I, <laughs> I doubt that's going to last very long. Um, the uh, the Grand Comics database, if you look at panel one, two, I can't count tonight, five, there's a window in the back that says Dr. A. Robinson, dentist. The oh, Grand wow. Comics database says that that Robinson on the window is a reference to Jerry Robinson. Really? But if you look close, it says A. Robinson, so maybe it's just a coincidence. I think it says H, but either way, it's not J. Right. Yeah, interesting. Could be. Uh, page six, we get the return of Commissioner Gordon. Speaking yes. of the characters. Awesome. This is the first time we've seen Commissioner Gordon since uh, Detective Comics number 42 and Batman number two, which were both out in July. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. I like seeing him. I mean, he's only in for two panels, but it's just in one panel, he's blonde. Yeah. But uh, I like it. All the news about the ugly horde turned his hair white in one panel. <laughs> Uh, he's been gray-haired and blonde and at least red-headed. Uh, but then again, McGonagall's blonde in this series of panels, too. So Yeah. But he must not be a complete schlub because Detective or uh, Commissioner Gordon assigns him to the case. Yeah, that kind of blows my idea out of the water that they're just, you know, and he does humoring he, him. He does prove to be kind of a an asset later <laughs> to, some, to some degree. So. Yeah. He's not a complete putz, I guess. I, I love this panel where he and Bruce are in the same panel, and he's saying, I'm going to figure out who that Batman is. And Bruce is like, yeah, you could. <laughs> Big old smile on his face. You keep trying, buddy. <laughs> I'm sure you will. You're a man of great talent, McGonagall. Great talent. <laughs> yeah. So McGonagall... Uh, Talks about how he almost got the Batman, and Commissioner Gordon and the cops in the previous pages don't really say anything like, you know, Batman's a good guy. Why are you bothering with that or anything like that? He just they just keep telling him to forget about that. So I kind of like that. Um, I don't know, I'm trying to say like that balance to where they don't necessarily come right out and say, you know, Batman's a duly deputized, awesome citizen of Gotham City and he's great, but they also don't say, you know, he's a criminal vigilante and we need to arrest him yeah that's nice they can't um condone his ability or his activities but they know he's doing good so they Mm -hmm. just kind of let it slide yeah just don't ask about him don't bring him up right and let him do what he does all right so on this page is where i start having questions about what are we going to call him the leader that's what everybody calls him on this This, sure this ugly guy we'll call him the leader they don't give him a name until they reveal who he is right later so he's the ugliest man in the world, a.k.a. the leader, a.k.a. Carlson or something like that. Um, are these guys that are working for him the product of his creation? Or are they just ugly dudes who want to work for him? Uh, they don't really say. They, I mean, he, he infected a lot of people. See, that's where, the, that's where I feel like they're trying to tell us that's what they are because they're inferring that he's going around infecting people. But mm-hmm. that could just be one of his ways of killing beauty because why would all these people like work together right mm. i mean it it says that bruce's friend goes crazy or is kind of going crazy because he's just looking at himself in the mirror all the time 
So it suggests that, you know, maybe they go crazy when they turn ugly, but that doesn't mean they're organized. Well, it says later that the serum affected Carlson's mind. Mm-hmm. So if it was the same serum, it would have affected theirs too. Yeah. And I not to jump backwards, but I just noticed on page five in one of those montage panels, uh-huh. there's a headline that says – you can't see it all, but it looks like it says Eckhart – Noted scientist to probe strange malady. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So later when Eckhart – that kind of answers the question I had later on in the book about how Batman knew where Eckhart lived when they just learned about him. But if he knew Eckhart was working on the serum for an antidote, then he might have kept that guy in mind and figured out where he lived just in case. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well done, Bill Finger. Well done. Yeah, really. Page seven. You live in a city riddled with gangsters and thugs and maniacal criminals intent on stealing pricey things. Stop advertising where the valuable treasures are. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, on the one hand, it's handy because it gives them all addresses to where to go rescue people. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, geez. Or better yet, just stop bringing them to the city. Take I mean, it says it will be unloaded tonight at Pier 3. <laughs> It's like putting a big target on your back. And, yeah. Uh, uh, but it ba- says oh. it's coming. Sorry, it Go says ahead. it's coming from Baravia, and Baravia was a name used for a small European country in a storyline from a Superman daily newspaper strip story in May 1939. Really? And that story was later reprinted in Superman number two in August of 39. And I, I googled it, and there was actually a short story from 1907. That had a country named Baravia. So Baravia seems to be the kind of a stock country choice for fiction. So it's the uh, the fledgling DC universe <laughs> yeah. starting to create its fake countries. Uh, Robin needs uh, new pants. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. I just noticed that right now. Uh, yeah, they're a little uh, – yeah. Unless he was golfing or something. I guess. <laughs> So, the Batmobile makes a comeback. Yeah, not very stealthy either, leaving it parked outside of the <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Is that what they're trying to suggest there, that he just uh, parks it? But speaking of Batmobile, let's talk about going back. Let's go all the way back to the first Batmobile, because I just read an article the other day that was kind of cool. Okay. And it's on a website called Cars in Depth, and there's a guy here, Ronnie Schreiber, who decided to write about what he thinks the original Batmobile was based off of. So the red one, I mean, I think we've moved on from that one. Now we're dealing with the blue one here in this book. But the original red one, I think we said in, in our on our show that we read that it was based on a 1936 Cord mm-hmm. 810. But this guy thinks it was based on a Graham... Spirit of Motion Convertible, better known as a Graham Page Shark Nose. Hmm. Well, he's looking at one from 1941, though. Maybe that's when the first Batmobile term is used. Oh, is he? Yeah, because he says the first Batmobile appeared in, uh, in that issue in 1941, drawn by Bob Kane. Oh, but I thought it was the cord was the one that showed up in Detective... 27, didn't it? So maybe this guy's confused or I'm confused. I don't know. 
Because I thought we said the first one we saw was based on a chord. I don't know. Hmm. That's what I get for talking about cars, because I don't know anything about cars. Yeah. But for those who do, I think I'll post this link anyway, just in case it's relevant somehow. Yeah, we'll post it in the show notes. It's kind of in the article. Pictures uh, to look at. Yeah. Uh, moving on to page eight, McGonagall just shot a guy in the back. Yeah. And Batman doesn't seem to mind. Right. But I do like that in the sense that he saved Batman. I mean, we think he saved Batman anyway. Who knows? Batman yeah. could have saved himself. Because but... even though he obviously has a, a thing for not liking Batman and wanting to arrest him, I think he also at least must recognize that he he you know owes him one. Right. So, he, he says, you saved me once. This sort of evens this up. Yeah. So yeah. He's, he's an honorable jerk, I guess. Um, he reminds me of Harvey Bullock. Uh, really? In a way. Just because Harvey was never on board with, you know, Batman being allowed to operate in the city either, you know? He was kind of always, like, on Commissioner Gordon's case to, are we letting this guy just take evidence and, you know, do all this stuff? So, yeah. I don't know. My biggest exposure to Bullock is from the animated series. Yeah. I haven't read all too much from the comics of him. Yeah. Same thing. Okay. Just kind of a jerky guy who doesn't like Batman, I guess. But over on page nine, I actually feel kind of sorry for him at this point, <laughs> with Batman being a totally total jerk and shoving him into the water. And you know that they were just laughing about it when they got back into the car. Well, he did have a gun on him, but... Well, still... I, I know. I That's one of the things... I guess I'm a total jerk, too, because that's one of the things I uh, enjoyed about this, this story, was every time Batman just <laughs> totally owned this guy. Like, it was nothing. But when I got to the bottom of page eight, and it says, McGonagall, can you swim? I, I knew where that was going when oh, I turned yeah. the page. I knew what was going to happen. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Can I swim? Huh? Sure, I can swim. That's all I wanted no. to know. <laughs> Boom. Um, I had a question here about Eckhart, but we covered that when we found out the, the headline a few pages back, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't have a lot to say about this page, although I, I like the caption where it says, as Robin idly turns on the radio. I don't know why I thought that was funny. <laughs> the idea of them tooling around New York, Robin just yeah. turning on the radio and listening to some tunes. He wants to hear some Frankie Avalon. or <laughs> yeah. I guess Frankie Avalon wasn't around in the 1940, but whoever the hot teen sensation was in 1940. Yeah, I wonder who that was, actually. Uh, we'll have to listen to our year in review segment when we do the Yep, uh, we'll find out. But this whole... Um, this whole this story just seems very action packed because once we get past the socializing from Bruce, it's kind of been nonstop. Yeah. I mean, and like you said earlier, McGonagall McGonagall kind of helps with that. Yeah. Because it adds an extra bit of action. Mm-hmm. I mean, they go to the pier and then they go to this house and then they go follow to another house and get kidnapped or you know abducted or whatever. It just keeps going and going and going. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. We have an awesome panel on page 10 of Batman smashing the door down. Yeah, great panel. Love it. The lack of a quip or one-liner makes it all the more awesome to me. And look at he's taking out a vase, too, just because that's his... <laughs> that's his signature yeah, move. Yeah, that's his new signature move. To wreck as much private property as possible. It's like, listen, I'll, I'll save you and your house, but I'm going to break a vase. Yeah. 
Uh, but later on in this page, we have the Horde driving off in a, in a car and then driving into the back of a truck. But then they just park the car in front of the house. <laughs> so at least the criminals are uh, as equally non-stealthy as the Batman. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, we have Kane with no ability to draw someone driving a car. Is that steering wheel bigger than any steering wheel you've ever seen in your life? Yeah, it's about three feet wide. And the and the page before where Batman and Robin are driving. Like now he's now he's drawing it from the point of view of the driver at least, where before I think he was really having a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. It's kinda like those hokey old school T V or, you know, movies where the person's driving and there's like a little Clearly, like a, a film strip in the background, <laughs> indicating that they're moving. That's what it looks yeah. like. Batman gets knocked on the back of the head again. Yeah, bat concussion number four hundred sixty-two. Yeah. But then he gets chained up, which is fun. Uh huh. But then we get into the origin of Carlson slash Laramore. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a problem with Carlson or Laramore as the villain of the story. You know, with the while the one injection of random chemicals can make your features and or change your features and make you ugly is isn't really believable. I think it works in the fantasy reality of a comic book. Certainly, it, it works better than most of the things we've been reading. Yeah. Reading, yeah, it's yeah. far more believable than any of the handful of stories we've read recently. <laughs> And it also makes Carlson's motivation into one of revenge, which is also believable. Mm-hmm. And I can even buy all the let's destroy all beauty stuff given the chemicals affected his mind. Mm-hmm. And his story is kind of a parallel to Batman's in that something tragic happened to him in his younger days, so he spends the rest of his life trying to avenge that, right. which I also liked. Yep. All that said, his masquerading as Laramore is completely unnecessary, and <laughs> it, it weakens the story because it depends on the completely ludicrous idea of that a, that a simple rubber mask can disguise a person, which is something that wouldn't fool anyone except for maybe the legally blind. Yeah, there's that, but that's been part of the Batman staple for I mean, Batman wears masks with his cowl on. <laughs> And right. somehow gets away with it, but yeah. um, but yeah, I was trying to figure that out too. Like, what did him being Larry Moore? How did that help anything story-wise? You know, I mean, other than it being a shocker that it was somebody Batman knew. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even hinted at, and it wasn't even hinted that Larry Moore had a more sinister nature behind him. Right. So it kind of comes off like a Scooby-Doo moment where we were expected to solve a mystery when we didn't even know there was a mystery. Right. And also, again, it goes back to you wondering if this guy's creating his horde of evil thugs or if it's just ugly evil thugs because Larry Moore is injecting Dodge and later they do this montage of other people being turned right. ugly. And you're just like, was that all connected or just random? Or, But anyway, but you're right about this guy and the only other character that I feel, villain-wise, that I feel is you know the quote-unquote classic Batman villain in terms of like tragic origin and and all that was the wolf from Batman 2. They're the only two we've really gotten origins on. Exactly. And in this one, it's even cooler because the wolf was after money in addition to being a jerk. Right. This guy has not mentioned money at all. All he wants to do is destroy pretty things. But you notice the wolf and 
Laramore both involve features changing to be mm. ugly. Mm-hmm. And that's dr- interesting. Drugs. And drugs. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And what heck is with this college? <laughs> First of all, you know, I've never been in a sorority or yeah, fraternity, so I don't know what the hazing's like, but that just seems awfully extreme to tie someone <laughs> up and inject him with stuff. But let's just pour all these chemicals into your veins and see what happens. Yeah. But the funny thing is is he was just going to scare the guy and not actually inject him and then like, you know, he tripped or something. The guy bumped into him, yeah. Yeah. But why fill it with horrible things if you're not going <laughs> to – that just seems like overkill. Why couldn't you have just used water or something? I don't know. That's uh, just funny. Um, uh, but if we take out the idea that Laramore I – mean, if, if we if we take out the idea that Laramore and the ugly man are the same person, you know, I don't have a problem at all with Carlson as a villain in the context of the comic book. Right. It was just a – that Larry Moore bit was just relatively pointless, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, I like uh, I like the character overall pretty much. I even feel sorry for him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that he spends his whole life trying to recreate the formula that turned him ugly instead of spending his whole life making something that makes him pretty again. But I guess he's he's sick and twisted now, so yeah, it affected his mind. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. Uh, interesting story device. Uh, Finger does not only one flashback, which I'm not sure we've seen before. Uh, yeah, I don't think we have. I don't think so either. So not only a, a villainous origin, because the wolf was in real time. We got to see his creation. Right. Uh, this is a flashback. But also we, he flashes back twice because as all this exposition is going on, it flashes back to what Robin was doing the whole time. So, is that a flashback? Yeah. What did Robin the Boy Wonder do as soon as the Batman had left? Oh, okay. So hmm. I just I feel like you know fingers is flexing his muscles a little bit on as this the story. As the guy who did the synopsis, I should have made made note of that. But yeah, it's kind of cool. Except for the part where he cover or follows Batman by uh, following the radioactive tire tracks. Yeah, that's a really bad idea for Batman. To, yeah. Not only that, but they also have those the footprints they were doing before. Right. It's like if somebody figures out or accidentally runs a flashlight over those tracks, <laughs> they could just follow them back home. Uh huh. So. And it's the the stuff on the floorboard I can maybe sort of buy, but coating your tires with something it would rub off as soon as you drive anywhere. So he would have to continually recoat the tires mm-hmm. with this radioactive substance. And all these all these people in New York are dying of cancer for some weird reason. Yeah, but it's 1940. I guess we can. Yeah. Yeah. And Robin saves the day, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. Stops the really good-looking woman yeah, they, from turning ugly. They call him the Wonder Boy of all Wonder Boys. <laughs> and how? I like the panel of Robin untying Batman. Yep. Nice going, kid. I don't really like the next panel, but it's kind of cool. With him lifting yeah. two men over his head? Yeah. Well, he just looks weird. Mm. I don't know. I think it's the shading on his trunks. Could be. That's a little odd. Yeah. And then McConaughey comes in and does what he does best. <laughs> <laughs> shoot, shoot guys in the back. Yeah. Dude's hardcore. 
And that time he didn't have to because he didn't owe him anymore. So that was kind of neat. Right. But, but uh, again, Batman just takes him out in a very comical way, which I don't know why I find so <laughs> so funny, but I do. Um, yeah, I was really kind of looking forward to him being a reoccurring character to the point where I looked up to see if he was, but oh well. Did you think this exposition panel, the, the third from last panel, that just seems very heavy-handed? Like, oh, we're at the end of the story, we have to explain it. Okay, just put it all in one panel. Yeah, it was very formula. I did look up mixedemia, I guess is how you pronounce it. Okay. And cretinism. Cretinism. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those are real. Right. Um, which was cool, because you never know. Uh, they're both thyroid related, so that's kind of cool. Uh, I don't think aren't they, have... they aren't they things you have to be born with though. I mean, you can't just contract it. Right, and it's more about stunted growth over just having an ugly face. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's not obviously not perfect, but I was just kind of impressed that they got close with that big long speech. Yeah, we didn't really even need that explanation though. I don't think. I mean, I think it was enough explanation to say they injected him with chemicals and he that made him ugly. That was enough for me. But Yeah. Well, he worked so hard. <laughs> it sounded good. Yeah. I don't know. You can imagine Bill Finger at the library looking up things. Yeah. Him. And once again, we have Batman and, or Bruce and Dick um, feeling sorry for the poor twisted criminal who you <sighs> know, tried to kill people. He tried to kill people. Yeah. But they, they said yeah. the same thing about the wolf. So anytime they they come across somebody who has a tragic non-money related origin, they're gonna <laughs> feel bad, I guess. I guess. Uh, and then in, in the last panel, we have McGonagall on the Batman's trail once again. Yep. But I don't think Batman's too scared. No. No, but overall, I, I like the story a lot. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was some rushed art and some silliness with Carlson being Laramore, but mm-hmm. I liked it. It's not my favorite of the year, but strong story still. Yeah. 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 Very fast. Very funny. Lots of action. Yeah. I really like McGonagall. I don't know. I could see him getting old after, if you did it like every story, but I also kind of like the idea of a guy that actually cared about figuring out who Batman was. Yeah. That was neat too. Like, I didn't pick up on it, but yeah. Kind of like, um, Mr. McGee and that Incredible Hulk TV show. You know, there's always that guy who's there to be a pain in the butt. Uh-huh. Um, but unfortunately, like we said already, he only has one more appearance and then no more until Grant Morrison brings him back. <laughs> Did he really bring him back? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but he could. <laughs> Why not? Well, if you want to read this story, it's been reprinted twice. First in Batman, The Dark Knight Archives, Volume 1, and then in Batman Chronicles, Volume 2. Just like every other story. Yeah. So lately, anyway. I think we're about to the end of the Batman Chronicles volume, though. Really? Already? Yeah. Um, We've got the rest of... Have we done Detective Comics number 45? The Case of the Laughing Death? Nope. Oh, no, that's November. Last one we did was 44. Okay, right, 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 right. So we've got two more stories from this issue of Batman, and then that Detective Comics number 45. Wow. Which will wrap up the volume. All right, well, that was part three of our adventures in October of 1940. Um, If you'd like to follow the show, please visit our official website, batmanlegends.com. 
You can read all the show notes of this and previous shows, and you can find our ever-important RSS feed, which you can subscribe to. And we also have a contact form on there, so you can send us a message. We will read it on the show. How fun could that be? Yeah, you can be cool like Glade and... And Calvin Bose. Calvin Bose, there you go. Actually, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I really like our website. I hope people are actually going to it. Me too. Um, we we both put a lot of work into the show notes, and I think yeah. people would enjoy it. Plus, we have the – just to remind people because we haven't done it since we got back, but we, we put um, a, a few scans from the stories we talk about. Mm-hmm. We list five things we learned every episode since this is a show about learning about Batman. Uh, we put in the links that we learned about. We put a little description of the episode. Yeah. It's entertaining. Go check it out. I know it's easier just to subscribe on iTunes and never look at it, but every once in a while, check it out. It's kind of cool. BatmanLegends.com. Yeah. Speaking of iTunes, though, obviously we're there. Uh, you can find the link directly on our website, again, BatmanLegends.com, or you can just search Batman and Legends as keywords in iTunes Store, and we'll show up. Please feel free to leave a review while you're there. Greatly appreciated. Increases visibility for us. Other shows we have, Michael Bradley here has two more shows you can listen to. One is his solo show called The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, where he talks about Golden Age Superman, and you can find that at greatcrypton.com. And then he gets together with J. David Weeder and Jeffrey Taylor and talks about 80s Green Lantern, you know, like jean jackets and, I don't know, bedazzle stuff, I guess. Uh, that's Green well, Lantern. We are, we are right in the middle of John Stewart stuff, and much of the artwork has shown him with a big fro. See? So. There you go. That sounds more 60s, but maybe it's a carryover. Uh, that's Green Lantern's Light, mm-hmm. and you can find that at the appropriately named GreenLanternsLight.com. Meanwhile, I am talking about the new adventures, the new 52 Adventures of Superman, with J. David Weeder and John Wilson, and you can find that at New52.Lipson.com. Next week, we will continue our coverage of October 1940 with Part 4, uh, Batman Number 3 again, this time a story called... The Crime School for Boys. So you can guess who's going to be starring in that story. Superman? Yep. Superboy. 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 It's his first appearance. Check it out. Uh, So until then, we will see you next week. See you later. Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger and copyright DC Comics. Mm -hmm.